Hello. Welcome to Mind and Movement, the podcast, where we discuss mindful movement through dance and through life. On today's episode of the podcast, I have a conversation with Harari Watanabe, who is someone that I recently met as I took her whacking class a month ago. And I just love how she brought in the history and culture and background to whacking. And so this whole conversation is about her approach to teaching the street art dance forms within a studio setting, as well as how to bridge the gap between the freestyle and the choreo community. Harari was introduced to dance in 2007 through YouTube videos and the local Boys and Girls Club of San Diego. She then found her love for dance again in 2011 at Culture Shock Dance Center. Since then, Harari has immersed herself into the dance community, joining teams in San Diego and Los Angeles, such as Side Effects, So Fresh Fam, Super Galactic Beat Manipulators, I'm a Beast, Culture Shock SD, BYOG, and Creative Minds Dance Academy. As of 2016, she was put onto a freestyle crew called Wild by Nature and has been growing alongside them since. In 2019, she co-founded an all-female freestyle battle called Ladies First with Sierra Dorte on a mission to give back to the ladies of hip-hop and San Diego communities. Although dance started as a hobby for her, she aspires to pursue dance professionally while continuing to grow and give back to her San Diego community. As always, thank you so much for listening, and let's get right into it. Hello, welcome to Mind and Movement, the podcast. Today we have the amazing, wonderful Harari Watanabe. Hey. Hey. It's weird because I just met you. Yeah. We were just saying that like it feels like we've been friends for a while, Mm -hmm. and I wanted to have you here because you seem like a very purposeful and intentional person. And I experience that the most when you're teaching. I really appreciate that, but I'm very scared that I might disappoint you. <laughs> oh, you absolutely <laughs> like, that's will such a not. nice thing to say. Thank you. Um, but let's start with, tell us your story. Okay. And your dance background. All right. Um, well, I started dancing in fourth grade. That was like the first time I was introduced to dance. Okay. And it was through the local Boys and Girls Club here in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Okay. Before that, I should start. Um. I'm full Japanese. I'm first-gen American, but I was born in Los Angeles, and I moved to San Diego when I was five, and then I grew up in San Diego for the most because part. of your parents. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, renting in LA is very expensive, so they moved down here, mm-hmm. and you know, just went through school and things, and then Boys and Girls Club. So found dance at the Boys and Girls Club. It was like an extracurricular thing that they offered, mm-hmm. and there was a dance teacher there that taught um jazz tap tumbling hip-hop like she just taught all the different genres of dance that they offered right mm-hmm. um and I kind of really got heavily involved with her and the dance classes there just because she was super cool and all the cool girls at the boys and girls club were part of the <laughs> dance club so I was like I want to be cool and join the dance club and um that was my first introduction to dance and then through there the Boys and Girls Club has like a raffle every Christmas because okay. they just have a bunch of gifts that the community just donates. Okay. And one of them was a four class package to a local dance studio in Convoy that she was teaching at. So I won that raffle and I took the hip hop classes offered at that studio, which was um, taught by a dancer named Desiree Navade. She's like, no one knows her anymore, <laughs> but like, I guess she used to be on like Super Galactic and Culture mm-hmm. Shock and 
back in the day. So that was like 2008 or something. And she was part of a SeaWorld show called Riptide, who um, Sean Mamihe was a part of, Robbie Del Rosario, who's like still in the community, like he was part of that show. Mm -hmm. And Danielle Prince, who's now the director for Culture Shock, she produced that show. Wow. And it's crazy because it's all coming back to me and I learned this quite recently. Uh But that was the first time I saw like dancers on stage from San Diego. And it was when like Culture Shock was contracted Mm -hmm. through SeaWorld. So it was a whole Culture Shock performance. Little eight-year-old me did not know that. Yeah. But we went and got a pass and watched that show like every single night. So that was when I was like, oh my God, dance is cool. Like hip hop dance. Wow. You know, so I really got into that. So I took the four classes at that Convoy studio. Never took classes there again because it was expensive and my parents didn't pay for things because we were low income and things like that. So we didn't have access to like after school sports and things. So that's why we were at the Boys and Girls Club, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Long story short, I uh, moved to Japan for a few years, couldn't dance then, and then I came back in middle school, and that's when I was like, I still want to dance, and I want to try it, and I googled hip-hop classes offered in San Diego, and I found Culture Shock. So I started taking classes at Culture Shock when I was like 12. At the time, they had a rule, you had to be 13 to take the adult classes, <laughs> and I lied and said I was 13, <laughs> and so I took Darkie's like, intermediate classes on Thursdays, so I did that for a while. That's, like, how I got into, like, Culture Shock and found the community and dance, right? Yeah. Since then, team-wise, shortly after that, I joined Side Effects in 2012. Um, One of my old elementary school friends was on it, and she saw that I made a Facebook post about, I'm taking (laughs) classes at Culture Shock. She's like, come take class at Studio FX. And there was a Japanese lady named Yuko Nakamura who was on Super at the time. She was teaching... quote-unquote hip-hop class but she also taught whacking Mm. and so I took her classes with my elementary school friend Cassie on Thursdays but yeah did like project effects from there joined side effects 2012 did that for two years um joined super galactic when I was 16 did that for like a season and then I tried to do the LA thing and pursue that and it went like super well considering I was like 14 and didn't know anybody I joined I'm a beast for a little bit did that for like a committed year and was like kind of on and off on it after that. Trained with um, Antoine Troop and Kalani Marks at Creative Minds for like a dedicated year or two, maybe three actually. Dedicated two years for sure. And then came back to San Diego or no, I was always in San Diego, but like danced in San Diego again mm-hmm. um, with Culture Shock. Mm-hmm. And during that time was picked up by Wild by nature wild sevens wild nation which is the freestyle crew i'm a part of at the time it was just wild sevens which is like tony ray matt phelps jojo vandrib um the og wild people right Mm -hmm. and then they created wild by nature like a prospect crew to the wild sevens just picked up a dance a bunch of dancers that weren't like already part of an all-style freestyle crew Mm -hmm. um or weren't even freestylers at all there was a few of us that were just strictly choreo heads and they picked us up and ever since I've been rocking with them, and that was my introduction to like the freestyle side of uh, San Diego dance community. Mm-hmm. And as of like team affiliation and things like that, they're the only people I'm rocking with right now. Somewhere along the lines between there, right after I graduated high school, I joined or I started working at SeaWorld, which was my first job out of high school. Um, Shama Mihe got me that job and it was like costume character work but some dance things in there and I'm still working at SeaWorld 
at this moment in time. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to dance affiliation, Wild by Nature, Wild Nation, and SeaWorld right now. Right. That was a long one, but yeah, that's, no, that's dance okay. background. <laughs> and you're also currently teaching. Yes, I am. At many different studios. A few. A few. Um, yes. So currently I'm teaching at Mariah Performing Arts down in Eastlake. Okay. Culture Shock Dance Center or Culture Shock Training Academy now. Okay. And I'm teaching at Studio Effects as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's get into that. Okay. And then I want to go back to the freestyle community a bit of it. Sick. So explain your process or intention when it comes to teaching. Okay. Let's start there. Yeah. Big question. So I need to preface this by saying I'm a very new teacher. So I've been dancing in the community for a long time. I started when I was 12, like I kind of said. Um, so it's been like 10 years since I first hopped into the community. Okay. But being offered to teach was... The first time I was offered to teach was at Culture Shock, which was a whacking class. Um, and that was January of 2020. Oh, really? Yeah. So then I only taught for like two or three months and then pandemic. So I only had three months of teaching experience before the pandemic. That's wild. Right. Crazy. And then as soon as the pandemic ended and I was in Japan during the pandemic for some family things. Mm -hmm. And then I came back in January this year. Um, When that happened, Mariah Performing Arts hit me up to teach a hip hop and whacking class there. Mm -hmm. Um, And they were a brand new studio opening up as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And then from there went uh, Studio FX offered us a class and then Culture Shock offered us a class. Mm -hmm. So... At this point in time, I've really only been teaching for a solid six months-ish. I would have never guessed. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm still fairly new, but I think when it comes to going back to your question of my approach to teaching, one, teaching is like way different than choreographing and dancing. Like these are three different skill sets and three different responsibilities, you know, Okay. that come with like its own expectations like the expectation of being a dope dancer is different from being a good teacher which is different from making good choreography you know what i mean so how so how so um oh good question well when it comes to i think in my opinion like the role of being a dancer okay one not only is it like yes entertain the audience but two make the choreographer's vision come to life like that's your job as a dancer working dancer like in the professional realm right um if you're working industry or even like a competition like a show out that just happened or a vibe or anything your job is to make the set the team the choreographer look good so whatever that means to you whether it be execution performance cleanliness timing all of that is implemented into vision coming true that's your job as a dancer your job as a teacher well, there's like many different roles to that, which I'm realizing. So what I think my job as a teacher is, one, giving whatever I can to fulfill the needs that the students want, right? So that also comes into play because there's like recreational dancers, there's yeah. professional dancers, there's just dancers that just need to relieve stress and for the day, you know? So one, I think you want to make sure dance is fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so the teacher's job is to make sure the class is fun mm-hmm. for one two, make sure they learn something, give them education, whether that be body control, music, culture, technique, 
um, just knowledge in any sort of thing that relates to the dance that you're teaching. Mm -hmm. So whether it be stage related knowledge or working as a dancer related knowledge or culture or technique of movement or how to listen to music, like you want to teach them all different elements of dance, right? Mm -hmm. Um, while making it fun. Mm-hmm. And then choreographer, the job of a choreographer, I can't say I've like really stepped into yet, but I think it depends on the job you're doing, right? So if you're choreographing for like a competition, you want to make sure you make choreography that's legible and like easily appealing to the eye in a competition setting, which is different from like an award show type of performance where your job is to make the artist look good. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily make the dancers shine, which they naturally will most of the time, mm-hmm. but make sure you make good choreography that the dancers can do along with the artist. So then the artist looks good at the end of the day. Right. So, um, three different jobs for all three of those. And it takes time to, I feel like, get good at each one of them. Just because you're good at one doesn't automatically mean you're good at the other two. Yeah. And then when it comes to teaching, so just Mm -hmm. so like, you know, because people probably don't know your approach with teaching. Right. You, at least from the two classes I've taken, (laughs) you give some history. I've taken your whacking classes. So you've given some history on Mm -hmm. whacking, given some technique or like fundamentals yeah like drills drills yes and then you go into like a piece oh actually the part that i really like is like you are able to build a sense of community like in your classes where it's like we got to do like a little soul train at like studio effects or like being able to do like poses with each other and like Uh mimic each other's poses yeah um how'd you know how to do that (laughs) like what goes into your planning like why is that Because I would say, like, that's very different from most of the choreography classes I've taken. So, like, where does that come from? That's a good point. Okay. So my approach to, like, when it comes to the classes, I've been a student for so long and I'm still a student. Yeah. Yeah. I've taken so many classes and I try to just implement everything I've learned from, like, little bits of every class I've taken. Okay. Right? So, like, the ones that I really like, I'll, like, you know, obviously I learn from just being a student myself. Mm -hmm. Um. But how I try to structure my class when it comes to whacking or like a hip hop class, I'm not a choreographer in those classes, really. That's not my job. It's not, my job isn't to give choreography to the students, which I feel like is a very natural thing that happens in our community, right? Or in the structure of these classes. And there's something to show for it at the end with like the groups and the videos and there's nothing wrong with that because I feel like a lot of the classes we have now are very much geared towards stage and that's how it's always been it's been for building for body rocks or building for vibes or one day if you want to go on tour like building for that Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. when it comes to whacking and the hip-hop I take hip-hop I take or I teach hip-hop in the sense of hip-hop freestyle um, so not just hip hop choreography where it's like Missy Elliott choreography. I might do some things like that, but I want people to be able to take what they learn in class and apply it at the clubs or at the ciphers or at the sessions. So I feel like the motive for, um, the class itself is a little different than what the other classes are for. So I think that's why the structure is a little different. Um, but yeah, in the breakdown of my class, one, I want to give knowledge and history because 
that's something that I didn't get a lot when I was taking classes. Mm-hmm. It was literally like seven years of me taking classes and then one day having an existential crisis by myself at 2 a.m. Being like, <laughs> I call myself a hip-hop dancer and I have no idea what hip-hop is. And then me going to Anna Sorrell, like crying, being like, I'm not a hip-hop dancer. I don't know what it is. And then she was like, it's okay. Broke it down, gave me a few things to look at, documentaries and things. And that's how I started uh, like growing my knowledge in hip-hop culture. Right. Mm. I had to figure out for myself that I wasn't a hip hop dancer and it sucked. <laughs> what what made you come to that realization? I don't remember. Okay. I just remember being in front of my computer in the middle of the night one day. <laughs> probably like maybe 2015 or 2016. Like me about to graduate high school. I think I was doing maybe like an assignment or something about crump or like about hip hop or something because class assignments right yeah and i was trying to explain what hip-hop dance was because i tell people i'm a hip-hop dancer and i couldn't give them a definition i had to wikipedia what hip-hop was you know how embarrassing that is (laughs) (laughs) to wikipedia what hip-hop is when you've been dancing for like eight years and you're like i've been i thought i was doing hip-hop for like eight years Mm. that's so much class money that i spent (laughs) into hip-hop classes not anyways but it was literally like just like this sitting in front of my computer being like (laughs) wikipedia what is hip-hop and i was like i shouldn't have to do this like i thought i would know by now yeah and no one ever like really taught me yeah but also that's my bad because i expected it to be handed to me right yeah but okay well you've had this realization like 2015 yeah but like i feel like a larger portion of everybody realized this in like 2020 at least Fair. i was right right and like and like you cuz just like the different narratives at least from what i've heard is like you at least knew you were supposed to be quote unquote hip hop right right for for me like cuz i started later uh-huh for me the whole narrative was like this isn't hip hop like this is the conversations urban. was already yeah, happening. Like, this is urban. It's n- urban choreography, so right. it's not hip hop. Yeah, and so whenever I introduce myself as like, oh, I'm a, I'm like an ur- quote unquote right back in time, like I'm an urban choreog like urban dancer. Like it's yeah. not really hip hop, but it's hip hop. Uh, yeah, you know, like it was that whole thing, and like I had no idea what hip hop was. Right, right. Anyways, so like it's not really like. I don't know. I feel like it's not really just on us to like have known that because when I was learning it too, it was like this is urban choreography. That's true. There was there was a certain incident (laughs) um, where one of my crewmates there was like a post about that like yeah. on Facebook like a big paragraph post and it was like urban choreography like I don't know what this is like y'all call yourselves hip hop but you're not hip hop anyways there was a whole thing about the urban choreo thing and he went to Bridget who was the manager at Culture Shock at the time mm-hmm. saying these are mislabeled classes not in a, any like provocative like mad type of way but it's like if we're really talking about hip hop and house and popping and all these styles this class should not be labeled hip hop not trying to like not saying that what they do is bad or anything. Mm-hmm. It's very good, like, advanced level dance and choreography. Like, they mm-hmm. have skill sets of their own. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to in relation to hip-hop, it's not hip-hop. It's contemporary dance or it's pop 
music it's dance done to pop music or you know what i mean so then there was the conversation about urban choreography because that was the better alternative quote-unquote at the time but obviously we know that's problematic and not accurate either yeah now some people i know like ian eastwood calls his choreography commercial choreography because that's what he does he makes choreography for show for commercials for film for tv so it's commercial choreography and that's what he calls it some other people just call it choreography ML, when I was taking classes at ML back in the day, they didn't have labeled classes. They just had Amanda Grind's class. They had Lyle Benigas class. They had Sean Evaristo's class. They had Pat Cruz. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there wasn't any labels to their classes. Do you think there needs to be one? To the choreography thing? Yeah. Um, That's a good question. What makes the dancing that we do choreography versus like hip-hop choreography or like you know well the thing about choreography as a term is already weird in general because choreography isn't a style of dance it's just a tool yeah used in classes to teach dance yeah it's the same thing as a warm-up or as a cool down you have a choreography part of the class you have a cool down part of the class you have a warm-up part of the class right right so to call a whole class choreography well what does that entail are you teaching people how to create choreography that would be like the bigger question i feel like Mm -hmm. so i don't think yes there should be a name to the whatever it is that we're doing but calling it a choreography class might be misleading in that sense as well if we're really talking about it but i mean i think for now like if we're really putting it down to the simplest of terms, it's a routine. You're learning Austin mm-hmm. Edwards' dance routine. You're learning Laura's dance routine. I'm just throwing out names, for examples, because they're dope. Um, but yeah, you're just learning a dance routine. Nothing wrong with that. Right. But it's weird, because it's also like a marketing thing, right? On the studio side, on the business side. Yeah. Hip-hop is a marketable term. Mm. So they want to put hip-hop choreography or hip cardio hip hop or R&B cardio or you know they want to put names to things because it's marketable and that's what sells in businesses so i mean it's there's multiple like there's so many different factors to to like think about when it comes to naming these classes cuz at the end of the day do we really need the names i don't know if you want to go take a dance class go take a dance class you know mm-hmm. But I think it's more of a marketing thing, which is, like, not bad at all. It's just a thing that exists in our business, in our system of dance. Right. Business or whatever, right? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I have to think about this. Yeah, I know, it's a lot. I've actually never thought about it like that. Really? Yeah. <gasps> I know, it's crazy, because... Okay, so when it comes... Oh, wow, what was the original question? No, that's okay, it was about teaching. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was, like, a whole derail. Right, okay, so when it comes to me <laughs> teaching my classes... It's, they're not my classes, they're whacking classes or they're hip-hop classes. I don't have to be the one teaching them. I just, I'm just i just the one teaching them at the time because there isn't too many of us in the community. But they're not my classes. They don't come for me. I mean, even though some students come for like the teacher that they like, the class I'm teaching is not my class. It's a whacking class. So I want to give everything I know about whacking in that class, right? I can give... Choreography is the easiest way to give people dance because it's enjoyable they it's an easy way to digest the dance and give it to students but that's good for sets and stage performance 
But when it comes to whacking in the true form of it, it was done in the clubs and like freestyle and streets and just, you know, kikiing with everybody around you, right? Yeah. So I still want to be able to give them techniques and movements that they can do when they are in the club environment that are simple enough for them to at least play along with. Yeah. And I think that's where, you know, you were talking about like the interactions among other students and like the cipher moments or the partner work that you do in class. That's important, too, because in the dance, you're never dancing to the mirror by yourself. Like as a like when you're doing whacking in its truest form, you are always whacking with other people and expressing yourself with other people. So that's why that part of class is more like not important, but just as important as the choreography part. When you teach choreography in a class and it's meant for stage, you do it meant for stage, right? So it makes sense that you'd learn one piece of choreography straightforward to the mirror and you never interact with anybody else unless you're in a rehearsal or unless you're doing a show or unless it's in the choreography for you to dance with other people. Okay. Going back to whacking, like one of the big things that made whacking popular in the world was Soul Train. Even Soul Train, even though it's TV and stage and film, Everybody is in the room just dancing with each other. And if you catch the moments, you catch the moments. And that's what goes on TV. But you have the Soul Train line. And it's sometimes one person, but everyone's still engaged in the vibe, in the dance, in the one dancer that's going down. Or there's partner work. Those are the little show-off moments. But I think what makes, not even my class, but even JoJo's class or like Matt's class. Or, you know, um, I'm shouting out like my wild people because those are the people I know when it comes to... Um, and the people that I look up to when it comes to teaching, like, different street art forms of dance. Because they're the only ones that are, like, doing it in San Diego from my eyes. And they're my inspirations and my mentors and things as well. So they implement that aspect of it in their classes. And that's also, like, why I wanted to put it in mine as well. Because it just makes the most sense for me and for a lot of us, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. So what I've gathered from this is that you've basically decentered yourself from the teaching process yeah. you know like definitely when you were like this is a whacking class not my choreography class yeah because like, when people wanted me to teach class they didn't want me to teach harari choreography they wanted me to teach whacking hmm. and my job is to teach whacking i'm just the middleman from what i've learned as a whacker or like in the community of whacking and i'm just middleman spreading the message to everybody else the best I can that's amazing that's it where where did your whacking background come from studio effects so going back to the earlier long story of my background of dance <laughs> yeah. first time I was introduced to whacking was through Yuko Nakamura who's a dancer based out of Tokyo now or she teaches at and dance in Tokyo now but at the time she was teaching a Thursday slot at studio effects and my friend Cassie from Limburg, um, Limburg Schweitzer is an elementary school around here. Um, she invited me to take her class because she was taking her class and was like, let's take class together. So I took Yugo's class. I think it was called a hip hop class, which I don't fully remember, but I'm pretty sure it was. Um, but she was teaching a whacking piece for Project Effects, which is an annual showcase that Studio Effects mm -hmm. does. Mm -hmm. And that was the first like show I was ever a part of like in the community mm -hmm. so I did Yuko's project mm -hmm. and her piece was a whacking piece to Whitney Houston's million dollar bill mm -hmm. which I still use in my whacking playlist to this day um but that was the first time I was introduced to it mm -hmm. also the first time I was introduced to like the San Diego community in general so 
I mean, I didn't think too much of it. Mm-hmm. And then I did the choreo thing, the team thing, blase, blase, blase. And I learned whacking, like, I learned bits and pieces of whacking movement within different choreographers. Mm-hmm. Like, I would see it in, like, jazz funk choreography or just heels choreography or just girly choreography, right? Um, never learned it, like, in a whacking class until I went to movement lifestyle when Kumari Suraj was teaching it. And she's, like, one of the big, like, whacking pioneers in LA mm-hmm. um like in the revitalization of the whacking scene she was one of the main people that was spreading the the culture and teaching it mm-hmm. um so she was my first actual whacking class ever and i had to go to LA for it so that shows you there was not many people in San Diego doing it at all mm-hmm. at the time i only knew one other girl who was doing whacking but she wasn't teaching it she was just doing um whacking her name was stephanie rivers or something of the nature Mm -hmm. um but yeah kumari and then shortly after lorena who's uh, a beautiful whacker from mexico um she was living in la and teaching as well Mm -hmm. so i would take her classes and then shortly after that when i joined the freestyle scene i picked up whacking again just kind of through the community seeing a lot of whackers in the freestyle community Mm -hmm. um and then just piecing everything I kind of knew together and doing it as best as possible. Mm-hmm. So even in the whacking thing, I haven't, I don't know, I'm not a master of whacking yet either. I'm still like three confident years in whacking. So still fairly new to that as well. Okay, so just to like, keep track yeah we're part of the choreography scene for a long time yeah i did choreo from 2012 to well i still do choreo now i started in 2012 i was first introduced to freestyle december 2016 okay so what do you notice that's different about the two oh gosh so much (laughs) um where do i start um start anywhere god jeez i don't even know um i guess the reason i ask is because you are one of the few people that are like trying to bridge this gap definitely so like one why is it different two why is there's gap why is there a gap three how do you close it anyways that's a long oh, question uh, but girl, let's know, start with how it's different crazy. and why there's like a difference there um well <laughs> why is there a difference I mean, just the environments of where these dance cultures live and where these communities are practiced and done are just two separate locations at all times. I think that's like a major one. Even though we're all in San Diego, I didn't know about the freestyle scene until I was forcefully introduced to it. And the only difference was choosing to go to Studio 3 instead of Studio 1 at the same time (laughs) at Culture Shock. That was the only difference, really, in a nutshell. Right. So we would take studio ones like choreography classes because they're bigger, they're more marketed, things like that. But the open floor at the same time is where all the freestylers were at. Same studio, same vicinity. It's just what you chose to focus on. Right. Mm. Um, so the freestyle world, it li- it's literally in the same area zip code of San Diego as all like studio effects, culture shock, the croc theater, the shows. It's all in the same place. They're just different groups of people. Okay. So, I mean, naturally, there's just, like, a separation there of some sort. Um, 
why is there a difference? I mean, that's like one, but two. They do different dances, kind of. They listen to the same music. They use like similar foundation, kind of, but um, the focus of each dance competitively is different. In a comp, in like a choreo scene, I hate using the word choreo scene, but that's yeah. like what it is, right? Yeah. Um, quote unquote choreo scene, their goal or like main source of competition is the competitions, like the body rocks, the fusions, the vibes, the show outs, the theater dance competitions. Right. Freestyle competitions <laughs> are battles, like battle events, right. jams, and sessions. Right. right. So. There's only a few events that usually merge into like Body Rock had Body Rock the competition and then they had like a a battle on the side like outdoors before the show, right? So right. there's like a few where the the things merge. Even like Shock in the Park is a good example. Shock in the Park, all the teams perform and then there's the the jam that they do at Shock in the Park too, right? Mm-hmm. Um. <sighs> Why is there a gap? You know what's really funny about this? I'm not going to name any names. <laughs> but there's a weird misconception from both communities about each other. Mm. Which is really weird. Because like on the on the freestyle side, they'll be like, oh, the choreo heads don't ever want to come to the jams, the battles, the sessions. They don't, they're scared of us. They don't ever want to come out and support the community. And then on the choreo side, oh, the freestylers are just too, like, into their own world. They don't want to come to the classes. They don't support classes. They don't want to come to the jam or the the competitions. Or, yeah. You know, they say the same thing about each other, which is really, really funny. Yeah. And at the end of the day, for me, like, one, I just want all my friends to be friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel that. Jeez, like, wow, it's weird. And two, like... If we really all just love dance and love music and love, you know, the same people and appreciate both sides. Like freestylers, they go on Instagram, they follow choreographers, they they watch the class videos. And I know people that are in the choreo side watch our jams and our freestyle rounds and our battles. Like everybody watches each other on social media, but when it comes to in-person interactions, they everybody's scared all the time. What sudden. is that from? Where is it from? Like, you know, just like the whole like choreo heads don't want to come to freestyle like freestylers don't want to come to like choreo classes i think it's just everyone's scared of not being good (laughs) i think you know that's just a personal opinion i think a lot of these are personal opinions um but especially if you're like on a big name team or you're like teaching or something like in the choreo side it would suck to go to the freestyle side and be a absolute complete student where you knew nothing about that side of dance and you're like at the beginning building from the ground up it's a weird like insecurity ego thing that we go through right right same thing as a freestyler going into choreo is hard especially when you built your style for so long yeah that makes sense as a freestyler like they don't have too many like classes that are as readily available as people who do choreo right so when it comes to like a b-boy or like a popper or a locker or something like building their dance they're just taking influences from video and practicing by themselves, right? And from then, they might take a workshop or two and just build on their own foundation and eventually will create their own style. Once you do that and you try to hop in a choreo where you're told every single detail of how you should dance when it comes to timing, music, your character, how you should feel in the music, your focus, what your hands should look like, 
it's a complete it's just a full flip 180 on what your values and like structure has been on dance and it's a hard thing to get through because i felt it coming from the choreo side into freestyle i was always about like especially in san diego being on teams we were cleanliness blocking always be in your window make sure you know your levels are the same as the tall person next to you right. make sure you're like when I was on side effects, a big thing that uh, one of the directors was like stickler about was like our hands. It's like, where's your thumb? Like, are we oh my gosh. Barbie hands? Are we double barrel? Are we pointing? Is it fist? Is the thumb on the front or the side? So coming from the choreo side of being told exactly how to move, exactly how to dance and having someone in the front of class to look at as reference, going into the freestyle side being like, well, just, like, pick a style to start with and do whatever you want. You're like, what is going on? What do you What do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. Are you sure that there's no criteria for what I should be doing right now? Just be good? Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> you know, it's a whole flip 180 on everything you've practiced as a dancer so far. So I think it's nothing personal. I don't really think there's, like, beef between choreo heads and freestylers (laughs) even though we like talk a lot right Right. we always talk about like oh you guys aren't hip-hop or like we're the real culture or um you guys you know this is the real dancing or whatever like there's always like some words exchanged like that but it's really never that deep we just want everybody to dance in my opinion i I just want everybody to dance but hopping from one side to freestyle or going from freestyle to choreo is a very hard thing to do yeah it's like an existential crisis on your entire being a little bit i get that you know so i think one that might be the thing you know just like ear like fear and just breaking down your own ego and like your misconceptions of what you think the other side is yeah and two some people i feel like especially these days there might be a lot of pressure to do forced or like being forced to do both, which is like a new thing because everyone's like been on their side for so long. But now we're trying to merge the two. Right. Mm-hmm. And there might be some opposition against some of the dancers doing that. They're like some dancers just don't want to freestyle at all. Some of the freestyles just don't want to do choreo at all. Yeah. It's a normal thing. Like, do you, <laughs> yeah. you know, I think it's great doing both. And I really love being able to do both because I can connect to so many more people. Right. That's the same thing I really appreciate about, like, when it comes to freestyle and learning the different art forms. Like, some people are, you know, just breakers, just poppers, just crumpers, just whackers, just Mm -hmm. vogers. You know, they stick to their style and they do it. I personally love dabbling into everything because even though I am not great or like a master of any of them. I have enough foundation on each one that I can at least build a little bit by a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it's still enough for me to be able to speak to breakers or speak to crumpers or speak to vogers. Mm-hmm. Just have conversation or like throw a round or two, you know? Mm-hmm. So me learning other art forms and other dances has opened my like knowledge of people, which has like been the biggest blessing of all. Right. Even, like, if I have, like, one salsa move, I can get down with, like, an old Mexican mom at a party or something. And she's like, oh, you have some moves. And I'm like, I got this one. You know? I'm not a salsa dancer, but, like, just learning little bits of everything just is great. 
in exchanging with people, which is like the greatest thing about dance, right? Yeah. It's not like one American sport. It's like an international thing. You can go to a whole nother country and just be able to do the dance and that will spark conversation with other people. And that's that. the craziest thing. Yeah. I love that. So I don't know. I do want to bridge the gap. Yeah. I do want to be like the middle ground and especially for the the kids or yeah. like the young generation of dancers that are like finding dance and doing the teams and the competitions now. I want it to be at least accessible to them that they can feel comfortable exploring both realms. Yeah. Right? They don't have to feel like if you're choreo, you have to stick to the teams and the choreo. Like, it's... You can go to a jam. Go to a session. Just go and feel out what it's like. You can just watch. If you want to dance, then dance. But you're not pressured into, like, you have to battle or something even though that's how it happened for me they were like you have to battle i was like all right sure whatever i'll try but i think it's just nice because we have such a rich rich dance culture here in san diego that other cities don't have Mm -hmm. even like just next door neighbors to us like phoenix or like vegas they don't have they have their own thing in their own right but they don't have the community of dance that we have Right. And the history that we have. Right. I feel like... I guess, like, I should have given you some background on, like, what I'm trying to do. Oh, yeah. Like, with this podcast in general. That'd be great. Um, because, <laughs> No, because it, it ties into everything that I said. Okay. And, like... Or that you said. Where it's, like... I feel like we're humans first. Before Absolutely. dancers. And being a human being means to be curious and creative. Absolutely. Right? Oh, my gosh. And then, like, being creative means i think people have misconceptions about what creativity is Mm. and people think that like it just happens you're born a creative person and like you're able to make brilliant pieces just right off the bat right and that's why i feel like a lot of people stick to what they're doing because Mm. they want to chase after that Mm. great piece you know that's what creativity becomes or like yeah, that's what it becomes. Uh, that's what it's about. Okay. Whereas, like, what creativity is, at least to me, uh-huh. and, like, at least in the literature I've, I've read, yeah. is, like, being able to hop into that beginner mindset, no matter how painful it is. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Right? So, like, Agreed. being able to be open to new experiences uh-huh. and then also being able to be like, yeah, I am a beginner. And, like... Yeah, I mean, it fucking like it sucks to suck. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> but like it's also fun, right? Because it really like, is. Yeah, it really is. No, I agree. That's crazy. You said that about creativity because I've always thought about it as like it's just an artsy word for problem solving. It is. You creativity just... is a lot of things. Right, right. That's true. It's a lot of things. Yeah, there's a creativity in problem solving. Mm-hmm. Right, and then there's Definitely. a creativity in art. Right. Right. This is a tangent, but it is. but something like recent that I've been thinking about is like there's a science to art and there's an art to science. Oh, is this a TED talk? This is a TED talk. Oh my god, I love TED talk. <laughs> um, but I just feel like like within creativity, it's like if you run into the problem of like feeling like you suck, what are you gonna do about it? Right? Are you gonna like, oh I you know what? Instead of like taking up freestyling or like learning the the other art forms, mm-hmm. I'm gonna blame the art form or that community oh, for like my yeah. insecurities 
It happens. Rather than like, I'm going to work through this problem. Right. That takes creativity. I still do it. Uh, not me too. Yeah. <laughs> um, we just say, oh, like, belly's not for me. It's just Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, walking's realistic. not for me. Like, I'm just not that kind of person. Right, right. <laughs> and, you know, to some extent, like, you know, that's fair. I have this whole theory about how, like, our personalities are just tendencies that we gravitate towards, but we can really do everything that we want to that's a whole ass other way okay on another day i really want to hear about that because that i feel that to my core yeah yeah you just build who who you are at the end of the day right yeah like you find your influences you pick what's right for you you pick what you're attracted to and you just build yourself off of that yeah okay if you want to be a bad bitch you follow bad bitch instagrams like you know what i mean like that's i agree Anyways, Anyways that's um, a full tangent. I'm so sorry. No, but it's also <laughs> like it's so dope being a beginner. Yeah, because oh my god. Okay, one of the things I will like take forever with me. I don't know why this moment hit so hard, but I was taking Kyle Hanagami's class mm-hmm. when I was like way years ago. Yeah, but he said something along the lines of "Don't let the misconceptions of what you can already do prevent you from growing." Or, like, prevent you from reaching your fullest potential. Or something along the lines of that. I'll Ex- say it again. Yes. Don't let the misconceptions of what you can already do prevent you from growing into your fullest potential. I don't know why when he said that. Like, it was in the middle of class. Like, he just taught. Like, it was, like, the halfway point of class or something. But, you know, like, as dancers, we're, like, really aware, aware of our bodies. It's just this is an example right we're aware of our bodies we're like oh our legs are like super tight like i'm not good at hitting this level i have an injury here so i can't do that move so even before we try it we just stop and don't even try getting to that full extension or hitting that level or seeing if we can move faster in that piece Mm -hmm. you know so we don't even try the new thing and i think it applies for you know like trying different choreographers classes not even like on a freestyle note but like even taking choreo classes like oh like amanda grind's class is not for me kiko's class is not for me kiko's just moves too fast but have you taken kiko's class have you actually tried you know what i mean yeah and i don't know anyways kahanagami that quote like really like stuck with me but it's so it's so nice just being a beginner all the time because in that moment you have no misconceptions about yourself. You are just a clean slate and you're able to try it. Your possibilities are endless, essentially, as a beginner. Yeah. And that's the most exciting thing. It is. It's like being a baby all over again. Yeah, literally. <laughs> you just like, yeah, you know, and you get back into that like kid mindset yeah. of like, everything's exciting. And you do everything. Yeah. You know, and if it sucks, try it again and maybe it'll get better. And if it's great, cool, you had fun. You know, like, dance is dance at the end of the day. It was just meant to have fun. And, you know, there's, like, politics and business in between. But, like, at the end of the day, if you can't enjoy a two-step in your kitchen, I don't know what you're doing. (laughs) That's that on that. (laughs) Two things. Go for it. Because there's another episode that I wanted to do by myself. But it's, like, our definitions of what our identity is really does limit us. Same as what you said, right? And then secondly, I've been reading Big Magic. 
and she mentions that like there was this really great author mm -hmm. and it gets to a point where you know you become like this is similar to dancing it's like you become like number one top new york bestseller mm -hmm. and then you don't want to write anymore because right. you're afraid that you're not gonna be able to top mm. whatever you just did right but creativity shouldn't have to be about that yeah you know like if you just kept writing maybe it won't be number one top seller but it'll be a bang-ass book or it'd be better in a different sense right and that sucks well for that example specifically it just sucks because the criteria of what's great to you is determined by external factors and it's not like an internal thing right because one ah oh man because mm -hmm. like one post that you take like a class video that you post could get 600 likes and it might not be your best like class footage ever right right but you can be proud of another one that only gets 50 likes and you're like but this was the best time i felt or like the best i looked in a dance or you know what i mean so like yeah and that feeling's weird too i know like oh, when people like a post <laughs> that i'm like oh i don't know if i was like super yeah good in that one but like a hell of people liked it i'm like what so you know you just i think it also like growing up as a kid in the community it's hard to find that for yourself like that comfortability and confidence and like being able to self affirm yourself there's definitely right. better words for that yeah. but <laughs> you know be confident in who you are and be okay with not having the external factors like right. um validate you that's the word yeah it's hard not getting validation yeah when you're in a community full of validation validation is a whole other topic we oh, went on like gosh. 10 topics today but <laughs> that's fine I actually have been thinking about this because the whole thing has been like, oh, don't seek validation or whatever, right? Uh, right. But, but like, if you think about that, the fact that we were a baby uh -huh. and then going, growing up as a kid, you needed validation. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And at some point, the reason why we all lack it is because we didn't receive enough of it mm. as a kid. And now we're all just, like, deprived of validation. Right. And then, and, then, and then that's the whole, like, oh, you have to learn to validate yourself. Right. Because the voice in your head is always telling yourself that you suck. Yeah. Right? So you're not validating yourself. You're just repeating your, like, childhood patterns. Right. What all that to say is, is that, like, if you keep telling yourself, like, I shouldn't be seeking validation, it's actually not helpful. Ah. Uh, Which, like, see. sucks because in in actuality it's true like like yeah it makes sense but like there's like weird psychological yeah there's like reverse the whole, like, psychology or like the deprivation it's like when you're on drugs or something yeah and you, like withdrawal you get like right. withdrawal from and you're it, like and then you're, too shameful because you keep thinking like oh i shouldn't be feeling yeah this and way. it's a rabbit hole of just negativity right <laughs> bad as well i see one last question because we never got to it okay well um, we never got to any of the actual questions we just <laughs> well, went on no, we based on them <laughs> So it's fine. But the last question, because I always want to, I, I'm definitely kind of like a solution-based person. Ooh, and that. I do like recognize that there is this like, not that everybody has to be both freestyle and, you know, choreography. Right, not at all. But I would also like for that exchange to, that bridge to exist a little bit more. Definitely. Right. So how we do that? How are you doing that? How am, oh, <laughs> how are man. you doing that in particular? You see, that's a, it's a biased question because I was thrown into it more than I mm. kind of found it for myself, which is weird because like the way I was put onto my crew, 
They didn't even ask me if I wanted to be on the crew. <laughs> they made a post. I'm, I kid you not. I was at Skate World. I was skating with my sister. And I hop back in the car. And then my friend Matt calls me, who's a uh, wild sevens. He calls me and he's like, hey, Harari, have you, have you checked your Facebook? And I was like, no. And I checked my Facebook while I'm on the phone with him. And it says, Wild Sevens presents Wild by Nature Prospect Crew. Congratulations. It's like a whole paragraph of like, you know, the freestyle scene and what the mission was for the Prospect Crew. And it has like a few names on it. My name's on there. And I'm on the phone and I'm like, what the fuck is this, Matt? I don't want to be on another team. I just quit super or the cold shock or i'm a i just quit a team i don't want to pay tuition i don't want to go to rehearsals i have a job like went on this whole thing he's like no no no. it's not it's not a team it's not a show it's not a company it's not a th- we're just a crew and i'm like what the fuck is that like what does that even mean i was definitely very ignorant at the time and <laughs> yeah he was like well just just stick it out come to the first like meeting we'll like explain it It'll be cool. Like, you don't, don't worry about it. And I was like, I don't even freestyle. Like, what is, what is this? Basically, yeah, they just announced it to the world <laughs> that we're on this crew. They didn't ask us if we wanted to be. They didn't, like, invite. They didn't have auditions. They are just like, these are the people in Wild by Nature. Here you go. Okay. So that was my introduction to freestyle. <laughs> right. They put me on the crew. And then from there, they were like, well, this is what we're trying to do. And, you know, like, as a requirement, you should battle at least twice this year and i was like i don't know if i'm down for this like am i down for this like in my heart i was down for it but there was an ignorant side of me that i was like i'm not a freestyler i'm not meant to do this this is a mistake i don't know why they want me to do this you know i was definitely very ignorant to it like the first couple months um but you know i was like all right cool whatever freestyle and then from there i actually like learned to love it and like you know, got into it, and now it's, like, better. Right. But at first, uh, it was literally, like, Matt calling me, like, hey, you're on Freestyle Crew now. I'm like, no, thanks. But you still did it. But we did it. Yeah. It was exciting. That's it what was, matters. It, yeah. But I agree. I, I think I'd, it'd be really nice to have more people that are comfortable, not just comfortable, but, like, are already in both communities. Honestly, even in this, the community right now, yeah, it's like a few of my members, like Duffy, who was on Side Effects, she's like on Wild and is on 220 now. Mm. There's Joe Mackin, who's on Choreo Cookies, but is on his Uncomfortably Fresh crew, mm. I think. Oh my gosh. If I get that wrong, I'm so sorry. I know what you're talking about. But Joe Mackin, Melissa Dow who is, like, a recent, like, as of five years ago or something, like, a recent B-girl, but was, like, a choreo type of teacher and community head for a long time. Um, and, like, logistics. Yeah. Logan. Yeah. Like, she's not in San Diego anymore at this yeah. time, but she was, like, on Mighty Shock and Breaking at the same time and pursuing both. Even, like, at one point, we were both on I'm a Beast together, and she was still breaking and doing competitions, right? But I can count on one hand, like, how many people that was. And maybe now that I think about it, there might be like another handful more. But it's a very, very small group of us. Mm-hmm. And it stinks. Like, it, <laughs> it, like we should, yeah, we should just be able to, you know, dance and do both yeah. whenever we want to. It also sucks because when you're growing in freestyle, like your choreo sucks. And then when you're training in choreo, your freestyle sucks. And it's like a weird balance of trying to grow in both at the same time it's not really possible you just kind of like pick one <laughs> or the other to like suck i get that 
yeah, every day is not your best day, you know? Every day is a different day, and you just have to go from there. But um, how do we bridge that gap? It's, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know because... I mean, you're doing it slowly. I mean, we're trying. We're making baby steps towards it, Right. right? And I think... It's hard to say because there's also been, like, this question has been asked to probably freestylers and choreo heads in the community before me. Right. And there's probably been moves that have been tried to be made for it to be where it is now. Baby steps. Baby steps, right? Mm-hmm. Um, from here, the, from, like, this point on, what we can do is not much different than what we're already doing. The choreo side is going to still exist. Mm -hmm. The freestyle side is still going to exist. If anything, it would be for our freestyle events, like when we host freestyle events, to invite choreo teams to come perform at the freestyle events, and vice versa. At the competition teams, invite freestylers to come through. They did that, like, they invited us at Platform Juju's competition, like, a while ago, and, you know, that worked out. We made a set, and we, like, freestyled-ish on stage. It was still, like, choreography based you know because mm-hmm. we still have to look in sync mm-hmm. right so we can do choreography like among freestylers it's still possible so i guess like inviting each other to each other's events is always a good start i think what carlo's doing at studio effects is a great like big big move because one i know carlo is just what is pushing. he doing just like just what is he doing yes. um <laughs> well he's like currently like the manager or director or yeah. something at Studio Effects, and he's pushing for both, um, like freestyle, street style, art f- club style art forms to be taught at Studio Effects just as much as the choreography classes, which is a great start. So it's very, more accessible very. to you know the students at the studio side, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and as like the director there too, he's encouraging the kids to go to the jams and sessions and cipher. And he's doing it himself as well. He's also stepping into the cypher and the jams and going to the sessions and setting that example for his kids. And that is a big, big step. Like, I don't know. Think, I don't think he does it like on like really on purpose or like, no. in, I don't know if it's like <laughs> that's doesn't. the motivation or purpose. But like one, he's like curious enough to want to try popping or try hip hop and try freestyling right in San Diego. Right. Which is crazy because he has more years on than me on dance too. You know, like he's an older head. In I'm my gonna community. snip this and give it to him. <laughs> Please do. Um, no, because like Carlos, he, you know what I mean. So it's cool that he's stepping out of what he's already made his name for, which is in choreography as a Kinja, as a choreo cookie, as grown ups director, as you know all the names and titles he has to still step into that beginner zone of freestyle. Like, everything we said we wish we could do, Carlo was actually doing. Even in conversations with Carlo about us getting our whacking class and things, like, he's shared this with us and, you know, what he's trying to do for the kids. And I'm like, yo, there's someone in the community that's actually, one, able to make the change and is doing the work for it. And that's the reason me and Wild and Sierra and some of the other freestylers there are able to have these classes and these slots, you know. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, he's doing it big for us, for sure. Yeah, And after that, like, we're repping what we've already been doing in this studio setting. So now, you know, I'm meeting people like you and, you know, we're opening up to, like, the side effects kids and finding more people in the community that are just interested in it. And that's more than enough. 
Because even if they don't pursue this in the next year or two, it just might be enough to plant a seed that they'll pursue it in the long run. Because starting from my first class of whacking at Studio Effects, which was 2012, to me finally teaching at Studio Effects as a whacking teacher, took 10 years. 10 years later, we're here, Mm -hmm. you know? So we just got to keep doing what we do. Just be ourselves in the most authentic way possible and hopefully that's in a nice person way and love that. just keep sharing and enjoying dance with other people love that yeah okay rapid fire questions and rapid we're fire okay a song that you've been feeling um so fly by slim and young jock something in the future that you're currently excited about shameless plug july 31st wild nation is hosting absolute magnitude it is a free event at the oceanside amphitheater it's battles, call-outs, sessions. It's not like an official battle, but there's a battle like showcase category. Ooh. Um, and it's my first time hosting an event. So myself and Baby Boy on our crew, his name's Anthony, we call him Baby Boy. Um, we're going to be co-emceeing this event, and I'm very nervous but like excited for that because I've never done that before. Yeah, July 31st. It's from 3 to... It says 7, but it's also an outdoor public area, so it just might go longer. There's 54 spots to battle, um, so if anyone's interested in battling, that's a good one. But also, the judges are, like, by us, like, our crew members. It's Charlie, Iggy, and John Romain, I believe. And then we have JoJo DJing the event. Um, so it's a whole, like, crew event, but that's one thing I'm very excited for. That's Nervous, exciting. but very excited. And also... For, you know, dancers that want to get into, like, the freestyle scene, this summer is, like, popping with events, like, every single week for some reason. Because it's post-pandemic and everybody wants to do something. So if you want to get into, like, the freestyle scene or check it out in its prime, now is the time. Mm -hmm. Something that you had to unlearn or rethink in the past year. In the past year? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Probably a lot, but just the first one that comes to mind. Definitely a lot. Well, the first one that came to mind was... uh, my family relationships, which was a big one in the pandemic. It was just, I'm not going to get too yeah, deep into we'll, that because that's we'll a lot. that another day. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But um, yeah, yeah, just the different dynamics uh, between each of my family members, I think, was a big unlearning to relearn experience. Mm. Even like, how can I be a, like, like as an older sister, like what are my responsibilities and what am I supposed to do as an older sister? Also as like the eldest child to my mom, like what does my mom expect of me versus what am I supposed to do and where are my actual priorities supposed to lie and things like that. That's a hard one. It was, it's still a hard process. It's still going. (laughs) A piece of advice that you've heard that you just did not like or resonate with like at all i don't know i took a class the other day and it was a choreography class and the teacher was so dope as a choreographer just not a great teacher and this person definitely tried to explain like a move was like they were saying twist your neck to the left and then twist your right, but then put your neck back to center. And then put your arms... They were describing a basic twist flex uh-huh. but trying to break it down into things because I don't think they realized it was a it twist flex I was like, 
oh, you're so dope, but you're not. <laughs> it's just such an easy thing to say. Like, you're the teacher. It was just really irritating because they played it off as if they made up the move. That was the oh. that was the reason that was irritating. They're like, yeah, I like came up with this thing. I don't know how to like explain it really oh. well, but I'm gonna try and like not that. proceeded to explain a twisto flex, and not, I was like, what not, is going on? Not that. So not advice at all, but right. that was a recent thing that like when you asked the question, I was like, well, I didn't like that, but it's not advice. <laughs> it was like the lack of advice, if anything, like the lack of <laughs> that works teaching your students that it was a twist of flex. Right. And then know. a piece of advice besides the Kyle Hanagami one, <laughs> like oh, I've already shoot. shared it, that you received that felt very like life changing. Okay. On some corniness. Go ahead. Um... A life-changing dance moment, and it was the simplest piece of advice. Dance with your hair down. Yeah, okay, so, backstory. I was training at KM at the time. Okay. And um, Creative Minds, like, the choreographers that are there are, like, booking, working dancers and choreographers. Like, they do the BMAs. They're on tour with Justin Bieber or Kehlani or, you know, they do jobs like, in the industry, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, this specific choreographer, Michael Wilson, who is, like, one of the best teachers and dancers and choreographers. Like, he's really good at all three, now that I think about it. <laughs> he's really great at all three. And he's also an author and, like, writes and is, like, a follower of God. So he's very, like, about God, like, when, like, in his entire being. And, like, he's just one of my favorites ever to ever do it. And he was training us... And I'm very much a tomboyish person, so I had, like, my hair in a ponytail or something. Mm -hmm. And um, the piece wasn't, like, a, oh, very girly, sexy piece versus a very boyish piece or anything like that. It was just a piece. And it was fun. Told me to dance with my hair down. Changed the entire vibe of how I was dancing. And it just made the dance, like, ten times better. In, like, the way I felt or whatever. And I was scared of being girly at the time i feel that so it just like released like a whole new version of me like it was the misconception thing kind of right like the misconception of me being like i'm not girly enough to pull off girly dances was very like prominent in that moment and he said like her head down and just like changed everything in that class and now i still like think about it to this day as like well i just had to dance with my hair down and I'm considered girly it's not that easy but like yeah right <laughs> in, a, in a nutshell but that was definitely one of my okay best one of these days dance I'm gonna dance with my hair down yeah girl <laughs> do it it's different it feels great feels great it okay. gives you a lot more neck movement out of nowhere yeah I get it yeah <laughs> okay well thank you so much for your time that yeah. was amazing just wanted to say another thank you to Harari for being on this podcast and also for being someone that I just feel like I can talk to no matter what. Like, I just met her, but I feel like we've been friends for a long time. And there's just so much to learn from you. And the work that you're doing with teaching and just seeing you love dance for what it is, is so inspiring. And yeah, I just feel very inspired to put myself out there more both within the freestyle community as well as the choreo community so thank you so much for inspiring me as always and if you're listening to this as always truthfully 
thank you so much for listening and hope you listen to the episode next week.